Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Kei te whakaronga mai koe ki tō tātou au horihori. Hei hōtaka e pāna ki tō tātou au whanui. This is Our Changing World on RNZ National, and now, Mapping the Gut. FlexiMap is a spin-out company from a research team led by Rutherford Discovery Fellow Ping Du at the University of Auckland's Bioengineering Institute. I meet Ping to find out how his work will revolutionise our understanding of the stomach and intestine. Just like the heart, the gut, or the gastrointestinal tract, also produce a series of bioelectrical events that govern its contractions. Now, these contractions are very important because they facilitate digestion. So, so that, we swallow food, yes. it goes down our esophagus, gets into our stomach, and, and the intestines, and the intestine, yes. and there's electrical signals all the way down. Yes, and these electrical signals, as I mentioned, govern these contractions. So it makes sure that food comes in, goes in one end and comes out the other end. <laughs> and I mean, it it is an important process because the the whole aspect of digestion and absorption um, allows us to keep uh, you know uptake of nutrients, energy that we need to maintain all of our bodily functions and defense and recover uh, against and from these diseases, as well as the elimination of uh, waste. I think um, as we move towards a more uh, preventative uh, model in medicine, I think the role of digestion is becoming ever more important. So when I think of electrical signals in bodily organs, I tend to think of the heart and nice ordered electrical signals and what makes the heart beat properly. And I assume it's the same in our di- digestive system, that you want the electrical signals to be nice and ordered. Mm. The heart is perhaps the most well-known electrically active organ. Now, it is similar but different in the gut. So the way I like to explain how electrical activation works in the gut is um, I would like you to imagine a network of electric generators. Now, each generator on their own is capable of producing electrical activities at different times of the day or different frequencies. Now, when they are connected in a network, they undergo this physical phenomenon called entrainment, which means all these different frequencies are entrained or they lock into a single frequency. So you can imagine maybe a power generator in Huntley goes on at 9 a.m. and then a power generator in Tihuha goes on at noon and then Manapari goes on at 3. So this sequence in time allows a a direction of propagation. Now, this exact idea, the network of bioelectrically active generators, also applies to the gut. So if you take a very small sample of tissue from the gut, that tissue is capable of generating its own electrical rhythms. But then in the intact organ, everything phase lock or entrain to a single frequency. And this ensures that contractions occur in the same direction as the electrical events. So what particularly matters then is if these things get out of train. Yes, that's the key. You can imagine, I mean, I like the analogy of the power grid or network of uh, electric generators because you can imagine what happens if one goes down. You think, okay, if one goes down, the others can pick up the slack. But what if two goes down? What if uh, three goes down? At some point, 
the power network simply can no longer sustain itself and sustain the contractions in the gut. And that's, that is when problems occur. And there are diseases and very difficult to manage diseases that um, does exactly that to the gut. So these generator cells or pacemaker cells called the interstitial cells of Cahal, which is called them ICC generally, um, these pacemaker cells actually die. So you can imagine the bioelectrical generators in the gut go off. And at some point, the electrical activity becomes dysrhythmic or abnormal. And that is going to influence the digestive functions in those patients. So what kind of conditions do you get as a result of that? So this is where I think our group is leading the world. We have done two clinical trials that have conclusively related abnormal activations of electrical act- activities in the gut to two specific conditions. So the first one is called gastroparesis, literally means the paralysis of the stomach. The second one is um, called, it's a bit of a mouthful, but it's called chronic unexplained nausea and vomiting, which is exactly as unpleasant as the name suggests. The prevalence of these two conditions in the general population is not very high. Uh, We understand, to the best of our knowledge, it occurs in about 2 out of 1,000 people. However, there's a catch. In diabetic patients, that number jumps up to 5% in type 1 diabetes and about 1% in type 2 diabetes. So its incidence is increasing. Absolutely. And as you as the prevalence of diabetic patients increase all over the world, um, we expect the uh, prevalence or incidence of these two conditions to increase as well. And I also like to add that it's one of these problems is like the harder you look, the more you find. And um, we really think um, that uh, especially uh, the abnormal activation associated with the stomach or gastric dysrhythmia could possibly be associated with functional dyspepsia. So that's indigestion, and that is a huge market and patient group. And anywhere between 30 to 40% of the general population will suffer from one of these diseases over their lifetime. So you say you are the world first in relating this fault in electrical signaling. So how did you go about measuring that? Is this much harder to measure than electrical signals in the heart? Yes. We often tell ourselves if it were easy, it would have been done already. And um, we do have a whole bunch of electrodes uh, spread out all over the table. And uh, the closest one to us is a uh, very rigid electrodes. Um, These ones were made by uh, Professor Wim Lammers. He was a pioneer in what we called uh, high-resolution mapping in the gut. And he used to do studies in cardiology, so he he transferred or translated this idea of recording activities from multiple electrodes from over over the organ surface from the cardiac field into the GI field. But as you can see, these electrodes are very rigid, and as you can imagine, no part of your body other than the bone is rigid. So we really wanted something that is more flexible. So that's why we looked into another technology of making and manufacturing electrodes. And the technology that we settled on is called the um, printed circuit board technology, um, specifically the flexible printed circuit board technology. So what that allows us to do is printing um, literally um, a grid of uh, electrodes on a flexible substrate. So what you've got there is a piece of something that looks... It's probably about the thickness of masking tape or something and about as wide as a piece of standard masking tape. I can tell you it's 
one three millimeter thick exactly. And you know, you're talking to an engineer <laughs> when you do that. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> But printed on that. Yes, there are these exposed contacts coated in gold. So these points here will act as electrodes. The other reason we transitioned to this technology is that this technology is very simple. The whole setup comes in one piece, so it can be sterilized very easily. And that is the key thing that allowed us to transition this study into、um, human patients. The next step was to use the new device to measure electrical signals in real people who were having gut surgery at Auckland City Hospital. And then you get ten minutes to record in each surgery to put these flexible patches of electrodes on their stomach, and from that we can pick up the sequence of electrical activation. Now, after we published the data,、uh, we got noticed by our colleagues in the states who invited us over, and over the course of two years, we've conducted、um, a number of trials on patients with. Gastric or stomach conditions. So that is when, where we validated the relationship between abnormal gastric electrical activation and diseases, and that was done mostly in Jackson, Mississippi, in the states. So, how many sensors have you got on there? And when you are applying them to the stomach, how many different recordings are you making simultaneously? So it depends on the capability of the system.、Um, our system to date is capable of、uh, simultaneously record from two hundred and fifty recording sites, and on each one of these flexible patch,、um, there are thirty-two electrodes. Uh, arranged in a regular、uh, grid, and that regularity is very important because not only do we pick up the electrical activity, we can also reconstruct the time at which the electrical activity passes beneath each electrode. And if we know where the electrodes are in relation to each other, we can reconstruct what we call a activation map, and from that we can calculate the velocity of propagation. And that is quite interesting because. We found that、um, let's just talk about the stomach on their own. On its own,、um, we found that the electrical activation in the stomach、uh, actually varies quite a lot, even in the same organ. So the different parts of the stomach、um, have different functions, and that is reflected、um, in their、um, electrical activation. It's all very interesting. Ping and his team are constantly refining the designs. A bulky soldered connector that was difficult to sterilize has been replaced by a small integrated plug. Everything has been made smaller and thinner, so it can be used during keyhole surgery and not just open surgery. The challenge is always to make it very compact. At the same time, the design consideration, you also have to consider how to mass produce them.、Um, it's all good and well to design something that is、um, ultra fine resolution, but If it is very difficult to manufacture, then we have a problem because you know we use these electrodes once or twice, and then we have to discard them. So we have to have the ability to mass produce them. And the reason for doing that is so that then surgeons can just routinely use it as for analysis. Absolutely, and this is also a part of the、uh, commercialization consideration.、Um, you don't want to、um, have products that takes ages to assemble, and、um, so you want to have a quick turnover of、uh, products as well. Do you think you can get to the point where you can? Do these measurements from outside the body cavity without having to have the instruments inside, right against the stomach. 
this is hot off the press. We've designed our own um, body surface um, electrodes. So the whole idea is just like the electrocardiogram or ECG or EKG. Um, the idea is if you put these sensors on the outside of the body surface, you can pick up the resultant electrical potential uh, from the stomach. Now, that historically has been very challenging uh, for the simple reason that the gastric activity is about an order of magnitude weaker than that of the cardiac activity. So it requires a lot of considerations regarding signal amplifiers and processing. So I think we're getting to that stage. We know what is happening in the stomach. We're now recording from the body surface and try to draw a one-to-one relationship. Now, this idea of this technique called electrogastrogram, or EGG, (laughs) um, is not new, but what we are, we are leading the world is in the ability to interpret the detailed relationship between what is happening in the stomach and what is happening on the body surface. The other thing, the uh, important thing, application about these electrodes is the um, potential design for a pacemaker device where patients uh, who, who lose too much of these pacemaker cells in their stomach, um, this can be uh, implanted as an external pacemaker that help to kickstart or sustain the contractions in the stomach and the intestines. Ping says that the idea of a gastric pacemaker is still some way off. But in the meantime, he and his team have a number of related projects on the go. One is what he calls a torso tank, which he describes as a benchtop testing environment. To me, it looks like the torso of a mannequin undergoing extreme acupuncture. It's bristling with needles. I tell people, no, this is not a medieval torturing device. But what this torso tank allows us to do is um, isolate the source of electrical activation. So we can actually put an artificial source in there that can reproduce the electrical activation of the stomach based on our experimental data and mathematical simulations, actually. And what these needles are, they're actually electrodes threaded through the shell of the body. So this gives us a noise-free environment to look at what the resultant body surface potential of uh, the stomach activity actually looks like. So this gives us a, I guess, predictive signature of what to look for in real signals. Are you actually putting liquids through? Is that yes. why you have a pipe coming down into a bucket? Yes, there's a drain pipe, uh, much like the drain pipe of a washing machine <laughs> that comes down. So we have to fill up this torso with the conductor fluid, uh, just tap water plus salt, uh, to uh, simulate the fluid environment inside the body. And, um, and then we uh, add uh, or inject the artificial source representing the stomach, and then we take recordings from the surface. So complicated and slightly potentially messy as well. It is. <laughs> it is very messy. And then how long do you run it for? Uh, we can run it for basically any length of time, but uh, for a typical experiment, uh, we generally run it for, for a couple of hours, and that, that is enough for us to get and test um, you know, a number of different protocols. So how would you use this? What are its applications? I think one potential application is we want to devise uh, or make a uh, multi-channel body surface recording device to record the body surface activation of the stomach. And by having that multiple channel, we have more information, temporal as well as spatial. And then we can use that information to more accurately tell what is going on in the stomach. And so that is a a much more accurate way to diagnose potential digestive disorders. So now that Ping's team is getting proficient at measuring the electrical activity of the gut, what are the practical applications? 
Well, they're not just medical. Sarah's using it to study how much discomfort and nausea people experience when they're in a virtual reality or VR environment. We have our um, experimental setup here, and it consists of the EGG belt, which is um, EGG stands for electrogastrography. We put the belt on kind of like a corset. It just wraps around your waist, and on there there are about sixty-four uh, electrodes. Um, so from that we can uh, record uh, the electrical activation of the heart and the stomach. So Sarah strapped me down on the chair for about half an hour yesterday, and um, so. In the first half of that recording, um, we just sat there and recorded some baseline or normal activity, and then she made me wear one of those、uh, Google cardboard, kind of like a VR headset, headset but it's really basic. So、um, what I did was I got Ping to watch this optokinetic、um, animation, which is known to induce nausea and、um, other symptoms like sweating,、um, blurriness. The reason for doing this project is that、um, as virtual reality is becoming increasingly popular,、um, we don't actually have a way to quantitatively assess、uh, discomfort. It's generally currently based on survey, which can be highly subjective. So this is a quantitative way to detect whether. Uh, a person has experienced those symptoms, and the underlying physiological basis for this is that the stomach is actually highly connected to the brain. In fact, it's known as the little brain. So, if something happens to the brain,、um, its signal will also influence the electrical activation of the stomach. So, how long did Ping have to watch this for, Sarah? Yesterday it was ten minutes. So. Yeah, he did show some symptoms of nausea and dizziness. It wasn't too severe, but it depends on、um, the person as well. I just have to add that not many students get the opportunity to torture their supervisor <laughs> as part of their research project. <laughs> Ping and Sarah say that the VR industry is busy trying to find ways to minimise that kind of discomfort, and their tool will help quantify how effective these ways are. It's another useful commercial application for the company that Ping has developed out of this research, called FlexiMap. So, how is Ping enjoying being an entrepreneur as well as a researcher? It is difficult, I must say, but it is also rewarding in the sense that、um, we are not playing with、uh, just the equipments in the lab anymore.、Um, we are making these equipments with、uh, real、uh, purpose and applications in mind, and、um, perhaps also a nice return commercially at the end of the day. But、um, with medical devices, that's difficult because not only do we have to think about the market and making a product, but we also have to think about regulations, which are key. But I think with these challenges. Comes a greater reward as well. Thanks, Ping. And that was Ping Du from FlexiMap at the University of Auckland. And we also heard from Sarah Jiang. Thanks for listening. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ National on November the ninth, twenty seventeen. Want to know more? We are on the web at rnz.co.nz/ourchangingworld. And we're on Twitter and Facebook as RNZ Science. Subscribe to our podcasts at Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or Radio Public. And another RNZ podcast series you might like to try is The Lost, in which Paloma Magoni digs into the true stories of New Zealand's missing people. Bye for now, Maori Ora. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.